Hello and welcome to Business Made Human, sponsored by Investec for your business. In our first part of looking at growth, we focused on the opportunities and strategies of mid-cap companies. But today we'll be discussing one of the biggest issues facing companies, and that's cash flow and how to make sure you don't run out of liquidity. I'm Rob Rose, editor of the Financial Mail and Investors Monthly, and I'll be your host for today. In a world of numbers and high-powered deals, it's not uncommon to forget the human side of business. The side that's about relationships, support, and the comfort of knowing that someone has your back. At Investec, we do more than interact. We connect to build a relationship that's truly unique through a team of specialists who make it their business to understand yours. That's business made human. Partner with Investec for your business. Investec Bank Limited, a registered credit and authorized financial services provider. Um, helping me gain insight into this rather pressing topic and particularly relevant in South Africa as it currently stands is Itu Marafa and Hazel Banach from Investex Business Lending Department. Guys, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very Thanks much. For joining us. Perhaps Hazel, if I can start with you, just some insight into the last year or so. It's been very difficult for companies. I think it was difficult to predict where things are going in our, in our economy. We had COVID, which changed the way people thought about things. And I think we saw a lot of companies facing real struggles because of cash flow issues. Can you just talk us through how last year's has changed the issues around thinking about cash flow, I suppose? Yeah, well, I think the last year has definitely spotlighted the implications of cash flow in terms of the actual availability of it. Um, and I think a different world shaped because there's some positivity that's come out of it as well. I think through the crisis, there was definitely for businesses a realization in terms of that cash flow is the lifeblood of a business. I think it spotlighted where businesses had an understanding of how their cash flow basically flowed, becoming quite significantly different in terms of what those actual real risks to their business were, understanding where those risks emanated from, and how are they they were equipped to really be able to address those. And I think off the back of that, whilst there was a lot of constraint in the market, and that constraint definitely highlighted the susceptibility of businesses to exiting the market, also actually had some positive short-term growth benefits where clients have been able to look inwardly, look to cost-cutting, look to improved efficiencies. I think it's also placed the view in terms of debt, which I think historically Mm -hmm. is looked at as kind of a last resort in terms of where businesses would want to be able to ascertain funding from. It's really positioned businesses to be able to say, with having that external funding into their businesses, we'd be more agile. We've been able to respond quicker and we've been able to adjust to the shifts in the market. Um, and I think those businesses that had sound cash flow management practices at the onset were better placed to be able to survive the storm. From our perspective, it was a hugely partnering period. I think it was very much around, you know, businesses survive in an ecosystem. Mm. Funding partners are part of that ecosystem. Mm. And our role in that was to be able to understand their realities, understand their realities in terms of obviously how it impacted us, how we needed to respond, but also to be able to help guide businesses in terms of them understanding their own realities of their ecosystem, how they needed to respond into that situation as well. And knowing that what you do today has downstream effects in terms of what those relationships look like as the situation evolves into hopefully more normalized trading. Hopefully. Yeah. It's in terms of your experience. I mean, it's been a 
I suppose, a survival of the fittest, really. I mean, it's kind of made companies focus on yeah. stuff that they, the disciplines that, that you wouldn't necessarily always have focused on before this because you could sort of surf through it. As Hazel said, it's, it's, what's been your experience of, of this particular period? Sure. Kind of guys who come to you. I think, I think what COVID has been and what this last year has been is an accelerator of certain things. I think what we've seen is businesses that were well managed, well run. It forced them, as Hazel said, to zero in on their efficiencies. And um, we saw some businesses pivot quite quickly and quite well. Um, and I guess part of our ethos in, in terms of what we do is we partner, we, we back the jockey and we, we try and partner with the right people. And what you saw through a crisis like this is that when you back the right jockey, they pivot quite quickly and they figure out where their next market opportunity will lie. I think where some businesses had massive overhangs and they, they had areas of their businesses that weren't particularly efficient. But you know, sometimes what happens is, when, when things are going relatively well, you don't actually pay attention to all of that. So, so we find mm. businesses kind of going, actually, should we be in this part of the business? When I look at my value chain, should I be involved there? Should I cut that? And, and people had to make some pretty tough decisions, but it's decisions that I think have left them in a much stronger position than they were, many of them going into the crisis. And I think on the point of debt is, I think that clients have realized that there is such a thing as good debt. And good debt gives you access to liquidity at, at times that you need it. And having the right type of debt becomes critical. And I guess what, what we try and do is, and what clients have started trying to understand is, when they look at their cash flow cycle, zeroing in on where those those constraints are from a cash flow perspective and ensuring that you get the right type of debt. Um, I think in the past it has been seen and can be seen as quite a negative thing, but it's quite a strong facilitator for growth. It's a strong mm -hmm. facilitator for you to take advantage of opportunities as and when they present themselves. And so what we've seen in the last year is working very closely with our clients and working very closely with management teams is unpacking exactly where the cash flow constraints are for them and ensuring that the products that they have are fit for purpose. It's not a one size fits all. Um, there's industry nuances. There's, you know, there's depending on what you do, there's many different nuances to consider. And so part easy for, for guys to get beguiled by looking at revenue lines rather than rather than cash flow, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. often what happens initially when you're starting a business is you always think the money's coming in. You don't you don't look at how, you know, the things that aren't being monetized properly and not, not translating into cash. And it goes into how you can negotiate your contracts with suppliers, with clients. It goes into how, how well do you match the terms in your underlying business to your funding terms and making sure that those things line up. Because actually what a lot of, when we talk about working capital or cash and access to liquidity being the lifeline of businesses, where often it happens is purely due to a mismatch. So it's not just the, mm. the, the inability to access cash, but at what point do you access it? How timely can you access it? And I think when you have a disconnect in your timing, that can be absolutely critical for a business in the mid market because you're not, you know, you're not awash with liquidity. Mm. And mm. so if, if the, the point at which you can release that liquidity doesn't quite match your underlying business and how you run your underlying business, can become a big problem. So that's one of the, you put that on the top three kind of failures in terms of cash flow is not matching your contracts, your 100%. liabilities, and I suppose, in your income to some extent. Is that, I mean, Hazel, your perception on that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's all, it's not only probably misguided in terms of being able to make that match. Sometimes you just actually can't. The, yeah. the lead to lag is too big that even if you negotiate mm. exemplary contracts with suppliers and clients, if, that, that financial constraint manifests in most businesses, even with the, the best efforts. For sure, but it's, so it's generally right? about degree. Exactly. Correct. And in, in managing that degree is around obviously leveraging what you can within your business to extract those efficiencies, um, being proactive in terms of that stakeholder management that you have both upstream and downstream in terms of the cash flow cycle. And then it's about that active engagement with 
with your funders and by better understanding when your inflows come in, when your outflows are going out, it gives you the, the ability to leverage then what are those aspects within your business that allow you to open up and bridge for that additional cash that you need to kind of weather how do you the guys, cycle. How do you guys manage? It must be very difficult since a lot of company owners are very resistant to being told how to run their business, but <laughs> people need to know certain things like the softer issues of cash flow management, you know, sure. dealing with your relationships, uh, getting your contracts right. And that's often a very nuanced EQ thing, right? I mean, how do you deal with that when you deal so, with companies that are not necessarily keen to be told yeah, you're doing so it wrong? I, th- I think, I think one of the things that we were quite specific on is the, the art, and I'll call it an art of banking, is greater than just the technical mm. stuff behind the financial modeling and all of that. There's human beings behind it, okay. and there's true relationships that we build, and that's just how we seek to build our business. Mm. So, so before you you try and tell guide or anything like that is to understand. You know, we we pride ourselves on spending a lot of time with owners and understanding their business, understanding the journey of their business, of where it started and how it got to where it got to. Yeah, there's an immense amount of pride, and people are building phenomenal businesses out there, and so we we don't take lightly the journey that people have undergone because with all the sophistication you may bring in, they've still built this business. They mm-hmm. were the people who rolled their sleeves up and built this business. So so our starting point is to build trust and to build a relationship. And then is to walk the journey. So so you know the, the last thing we'd want to do is is push product and go, here's a product, take this. It's around going, let's understand what you see as a constraint. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Over and above that, let's then run the numbers and have a sense of what are the numbers telling us relative to what you're feeling and we'll show that to you. And we'll take you through how we've analyzed and understood where your constraints are. And then let's have a conversation around solutions. Mm-hmm. So so it's not a one size fits all. And we take a genuine interest and we're curious about how people build these businesses because it's all about your operating model. And so we're curious around those models and how we can help aid growth through that model. Mm-hmm. We're not the experts. You are. You run the business. You're the person who knows the industry better than we are. What we can do is try and facilitate the growth that you want to see. Mm. And clients will know what those avenues of growth are. I don't think we're sitting in there trying to say this is how and where you grow your business. It's more about given the journey that you're on, this is how you can leverage what we can put into the the mm. transactions that you're better placed to be able to to find those efficiencies or drive that that growth conversation. I mean, to Etty's point, it's even even within a, a particular solution, the way and the levers that are going to get pulled by particular clients will differ business to business. So in some instances, clients might have been quite handcuffed in terms of what they could even negotiate with suppliers. If you look to put in trade funding as an example, which opens up the ability to procure stock differently, you can potentially go and have now different supply negotiations um, to extract more efficiency through the the working cap cycle and be able to then aid that growth and just being able to now have a different conversation because there is a a partnering behind you to help open up those avenues. And what you want to do is get to a point where the depth of the relationship is such that you can respectfully disagree at times. Mm. So there are times where clients will go, that's actually what I need and we may have a different view. And, And again, that comes through having a genuine relationship. And I think if we if we have a strong enough relationship and there's depth in it, we can then test each other and we can push sometimes and we can have different views. I mean that's 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 the thing about partnership, is that it's not it's not about necessarily agreeability at all times, but it's around finding the best solution. And you, I mean you talked about debt being an issue. I think it's also surely it's an issue for a lot of companies who guys who start companies to realize the value of debt. I mean, this is what the last year's done, right? I mean made some companies realize that there is actually value to that. Because I think you start a company, you're resistant. You you want to pay off your debt to get to a position where you are. And I think there's utility to that that I think mm-hmm. you need to 
it's almost an education thing, right? For some businesses, it is. I think it is a mindset shift. The concept is that you have the ability to leverage differently and debt, as far as I suppose a funding mechanism goes, is still one of your cheaper ways of funding a business. You're not giving away equity and you you generally, off the fact that that, particularly in a working cap cycle, if the debt is there to aid that working cap cycle, you will be able to be more cash generative because you've got more within the business to be able to play with. And I think that's the critical piece is what does debt unlock for you? Mm-hmm. So it's not debt for debt's sake, but it's to say, you know, because cause often what, what owners are worried about is the cost of debt. What we're typically saying is if by taking this debt, it aids greater sales, it great, it aids greater turnover, and typically your, your, your profit margins are going to be greater than that cost of debt, then in the main, you will do better. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's about understanding what the debt's for and what it aids as and opposed the value to leverage. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So use the le- value of leverage. And then also having access to funding can be absolutely critical. There are points in times where you can have specific constraints and building proper partnerships. You know, Hazel earlier spoke about an ecosystem, building proper partnerships that you can lean on at the right time is also quite important. And that's what we've seen in the last year is that those clients who had strong relationships with their banks were able then at the right time to lean on those relationships. Mm. So in terms of the last year, how has the strategies changed in terms of managing cash flow? I mean, I imagine there's been quite some significant shifts. You've spoken about some of them, but I mean, overall, has it been a very different, I suppose, journey even for you guys, understanding how it can work in different companies or not? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it has shifted that view of it's not just focused on the top line. It is focusing mm. in on understanding where cash goes, when it goes, and why it's going to certain places. I think it's focused businesses in on both their accounts receivables and their payables, uh, making sure that they extract maximum benefit in terms of that payables portion, and then being a lot more focused in on the collection of their of their books as well. So I think yeah, businesses that have survived the storm have, in a way, become more sophisticated in terms mm. of those day to day practices that just are the healthy housekeeping of a business, but often get taken for granted when you're on a big state of growth because everything is going swimmingly then. Mm. I suppose it's as well, it's, it's a very fluid thing and you see it's been a big issue for a lot of companies operating in different industries. Seasonality has been a big issue. Has that changed now in terms of trying to smooth that out? How has that, that changed? Sure. I think some industries have inherent seasonality. Um, and it's, you know, you, it's just stuff you can't get away from. There's, there's just, you know, if you, if you think about some of the industries around farming and there's always going to be a specific point in time where they sell and crop and that kind of thing. So there is inherent seasonality. What we're seeing though is clients being a lot smarter around understanding that seasonality and therefore when do they require their funding? When do they require liquidity? And even in how they're negotiating that kind of stuff is to say, well, mm-hmm. I actually need liquidity for only a period of time. So how do we work that? And as a bank, we've had to think about that and be a little bit more flexible to go, well, actually, historically, because people weren't paying as much attention to certain elements, they were happy to just have facilities sitting there and they may come with a cost. So how do you pivot and how do you change that to cater for that seasonality? The other thing, I guess, for us, what, what seasonality has shown us in the last year is understanding it for our clients becomes important in terms of then what are we offering at a product level perspective. Again, you know, making sure things are fit for purpose matters. So, so I think that some, some industries, the seasonality you can't get away from. And then it's around saying, cool, what do you need to make sure that works out? In other spaces, I think what other clients have done is they've gone, well, where we have 
chunky businesses or, or there's elements of it we can smooth out to try and make ourselves a little bit more defensive? Mm. Um, is there a way to integrate vertically? That kind of stuff. We've seen clients starting to think about that and say, are there bolt-ons to our businesses that we can help in the times that things are a little, there's a little bit of a downturn? What are we doing with that time? So, so like I said, it, it has, it has created sort of a, a sharper focus into how people are operating. Guys, it's a, been a fascinating discussion. And I suppose the last year, like you said, has taught us about adaptability and being more flexible. Thanks very much for joining me today on a fascinating discussion. Thank you. Thanks. So that's Business Made Human, sponsored by Investec for your business. I've been your host, Rob Rose, editor of the Financial Mail and Investors Monthly. And join us for our next podcast. To find them, subscribe for free episodes on Iona.fm, Spotify, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, and wherever you normally get your podcasts. But don't miss it. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking, a division of Investec Bank Limited, an authorized financial services provider, a registered credit provider, an authorized over-the-counter derivatives provider, and a member of the JSE. Investec is committed to the code of banking practice as regulated by the Ombudsman for Banking Services.